With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. Hey everybody, what's up and welcome in to Best on the Board here at The Athletic Thursday, October 28th. NFL uh, Week Eight, Week Eight, Week Eight kicks off tonight between the Packers and the Cardinals. We've also got College Football Week Nine underway. Michael Beller and Dan Santaramita here to talk you through that Packers Cardinals game and some of the games we like on the Week Nine College Football slate as well. Dan, how are you doing this morning? I'm good, and I'm ready for more Beller pra- player prop specials. Guy, I can't <laughs> say that one. But it's like my favorite part of the show. You come on and, and pick some player props. I know that you're on a bit of a cold streak, but I, I keep the faith in the player props and the fun bets. I appreciate that. You said it for me. That was uh, Last week was the second week in a row in which I had a receiver going over five and a half catches, and he stuck ever so stubbornly on five catches. So hopefully we break the streak this week. Good week for you last week. You went 2-1 and one to run your season record to 9-10. and 10. I, unfortunately, had a really ugly week, 0-3. Oh so I'm at 5-11 and 11 for these Thursday night shows. Hopefully we turn things around on this episode. You'll notice it's just me and Dan on this episode. Ari Wasserman rejoining us next week. We are very excited for him to come back. He's getting his feet back in the water. He's got a couple of picks for <laughs> us this week. We'll talk about those at the end of the show. Let's start with our picks, though, Dan. Let's go to your first pick of the day. You're going to take us to the college world to kick things off. Yeah, so I'm I'm taking a couple dogs this week. So this is the one where I'm a little bit uh, I, I don't know. I, I know a lot of people like taking dogs and taking points is great, uh, but this one is like, all right, well, let's see. Dipping my toe into the Pac-12, Washington State plus fifteen and a half at Arizona State. Now this is one Pac-12 always a little unpredictable, but I think this is too many points to give a team like Washington State. Uh, our own our model at the Athletic Austin Mock has it at twelve point four. And I think that's a big difference. Three points is always a solid edge. And when you're talking in, into that three score range, which I guess you can call 15 and a half, it's more than two touchdowns at least. Mm-hmm. So I think that's a number where it's just a little too big. Arizona State's been a bit inconsistent. They do have a good offense. But Washington State's been competitive every game that they've either won or lost. They were in every game except for USC that blew them out. So uh, they, they've been close against everybody. I don't think Arizona State's miles better than anyone else they've played. So I, I like taking the points here. Yeah, is there anything that we've seen from Arizona State in their recent – I mean, right, they, they have surged to the top of the Pac-12 or surged to a position in the Pac-12 where I don't think many people expected them to be uh, at the start of the season. So anything that we've seen from them, maybe going back a month or so, that has you concerned about them being able to cover this number? Well, Arizona State's offense is explosive, and that's the kind of thing. If they get enough big plays, then you're in trouble. I, I think their defense is relatively weak where Washington State should be able to hang. Uh, but realistically, I just think Washington State should be able to stay within two touchdowns. I think it's just too big of a number to expect a blowout in this one. 
Yeah, definitely like when it crosses over that three score threshold. So feeling yeah. comfortable about that. For what it's worth, 15 and a half last night when you and I were first talking about our pick, 16 and a half this morning. So uh, it's point. moving in that direction. He'll take that <laughs> point uh, for sure. I'm going to go to the NFL game on Thursday night, Packers and Cardinals. And I'm going to take the Packers plus six and a half. And here's the reason why, Dan. Uh, we know Devontae Adams, Alan Lazard, both going to miss this game for the Packers there on the COVID-19 list. Before that news came out, and it was really before the Adams news came out, this was Cardinals minus three. And that felt totally fair for these two teams. Cardinals at home, seven and zero. Oh, Packers six and one. Cardinals minus three. Let's move on with our lives. Three and a half points is a big, big move. And I'm not going to sit here and pretend like, you know, Devontae Adams isn't a major part of what Green Bay does and not just what he does. It's not just the matter of, oh, you know, we throw the ball to Devontae 10 times a game, so we'll just spread those targets out. As long as we turn those 10 targets into 120 yards and a touchdown, we're good. No, no, no. That's not how this works. Devontae Adams has a gravity to him uh, that opens up so much of what Green Bay wants to do in other places. So I'm not going to sit here and pretend like this line shouldn't have moved at all with the Packers playing without Devontae Adams. But three and a half is a big, big number. It's a big movement for one player for a wide receiver, no matter how good he is. And for my money, Devontae Adams is the best receiver in the NFL. And then I went back and looked over the last couple of seasons. Devontae Adams has missed six games the last two years. Those are also the two years before this one, during which Matt LaFleur has been the coach of the Green Bay Packers. Packers are 5-1 and one against the spread in those six games. 2-0 and as underdogs. In both of those games in which they were underdogs, they won outright. Last year, they did it against the Saints. They scored 37 points in that game. It was on the road. They were 3.5-point underdogs. They go in, roll up 37. Aaron Rodgers has a big game. Saints ended the year last year the 7th-ranked defense by EPA, so it wasn't like they were rolling over some bad defense either, and they just did it without Adams. Then you go back to 2019. Three-and-a-half-point underdogs in a road game against Dallas. They win 34-24. It was Aaron Jones at the center of things that game, scoring four touchdowns. So Matt LaFleur doesn't want to play without Devontae Adams. Who would want to play without Devontae Adams? But he's shown us he can scheme up an offense that is still very successful without Devontae Adams. So I just come back to six-and-a-half being way too much and and three-and-a-half being too big a move for this game without Adams. Uh, So that's why I'm going to go ahead and back the Packers getting the six-and-a-half. I actually like that thought process of three points for a receiver being too many. I also, you know, we both live in Chicago. We're very familiar with Aaron Rodgers looking very good. You don't have to do too much to convince me to bet on an Aaron Rodgers team. So. Yeah, yeah. It's, uh, it's an easy thing to want to get behind for sure. And um, I can't just, it's a big, I love the Cardinals. This is like two of my favorite teams to bet on, the Packers and the Cardinals. So I, I like, I am always, I don't want to make the anti-Cardinals argument. And I don't think I'm really making that. I just think that the Packers can do it without Adams and three and a half is a Big, big move for any sort of uh, any sort of receiver uh, to be making here. So that's why I just think this one a little bit too high. Give me the Packers plus six and a half tonight against the Cardinals. All right, Dan, let's go back to the well here. You've got one more college pick for us. I'm going to give us one more pick on Packers and Cardinals. Bring us home, buddy. Bring us back to the heartland, back to the Big Ten. <laughs> what do you got for us in the Big Ten slate this weekend? Yeah, I like Purdue getting some points at Nebraska. They're getting seven and a half, and I I just don't trust Nebraska to give more than a touchdown, basically what it comes down to. Uh, This is a team, you know, we talked about in the early weeks of the season, they find ways to lose close games. They had a streak in the middle of the season where they were playing out of conference and they looked better after the Illinois loss. They played Oklahoma close. They They probably should have beat Michigan State. They are just not good in close games. This is a trend you can go point to the coaching staff or whatever it may be. So 
they're an improved team from week one, but then they also laid a total egg against Minnesota, although Purdue coming off probably their worst showing of the, la- of the year last week against Wisconsin, uh, which which caught you out. They, they totally <laughs> got crushed 30-13. Knew, knew it was a trap. Knew it was a trap and couldn't help but walk right into it. <laughs> yeah, so, and look, Wisconsin, you know, they got an interesting game against Iowa, and not to deviate too far, but the total is the lowest of the week. It's a stupid low total for college. Wisconsin is the second best defense in the country in yards allowed to Georgia. So their offense, yes, it's a mess. So is Iowa's. That's a weird one. But Purdue getting blown out by Wisconsin, maybe not as bad as people think because Wisconsin has no offense. Their defense is elite. Nebraska, a similar mold of a team, but not as extreme. And I just don't trust them in close games. I just think it's too many points. Uh, David Bell's great. Uh, Purdue's been close in every game except Notre Dame and then Wisconsin. I don't think Nebraska is in that tier of team. Give me the points. Right, since, you, since you bring up Wisconsin, let me just go ahead and throw this out there. We do have a couple of picks <laughs> from our buddy Ari, uh, and he mentioned to me uh, that he kind of liked Wisconsin when he was going through his yeah. thought process. So he kind of liked Wisconsin, and his exact words were, I actually like Wisconsin minus three, but I'm done betting on that f-ing team. And so uh, I understand. <laughs> I understand the sentiment. For sure there. Purdue, up and down, up and down, right? They had the huge high beating Iowa, then they come crashing back to earth yeah. with Wisconsin. Uh, wh- how do you feel about them just purely Purdue going into this game? I know you like the points, and seven and a half is a lot to ask Nebraska to cover, but what right. are just the feelings on Purdue and only Purdue going into this one after the roller coaster they've been on the last couple of weeks? Well, I'll put it this way. When you picked Purdue last week and you saw thought the line was bad. I'm going, oh, I don't want I wouldn't want to be the one betting on Purdue putting two good games in a row. <laughs> yeah. So like this is kinda, you know, Purdue's in that tier of team where it's like, yeah, they have some talent. Like I said, David Bell, I think, is an excellent receiver. We're gonna be t- talking about him on Sundays very shortly. But yeah, Purdue they don't have enough talent to be week to week good. And I think Iowa when they played them just you play a team with a totally broken offense. It's a very different game. And, and Nebraska, not that much better on offense than that. So I think this is a more favorable matchup for Purdue. I think they're in that mid-tier of Big Ten teams where mm-hmm. one week it could be this, one week it could be that, which, I mean, it sounds a lot similar to the Washington State-Arizona State pick, you know, where those teams in that conference, it's all over the place. I, I just think Purdue is has enough to hang here, and I, I, I expect the inconsistency that with what they did last week maybe didn't shock me. Yeah, yeah. so uh, it's uh, the last uh, way we go here with Purdue, getting the plus 7.5 at Nebraska. For my second pick, going back to that game, and you got it, Dan, player prop time. Aaron Jones <laughs> over 101.5, uh, rushing plus receiving yards. He's going to have to be a huge part of what Green Bay does offensively. That is, uh, that's no secret. Without Devontae Adams, without Alan Lazard, he's going to be a major, major part of what this team does uh, offensively. It's just how things are going to have to roll for them. And we can look back at some of the recent history of the Packers playing without Devontae Adams and see Aaron Jones having some very strong games. I mentioned last year the two games that Devontae Adams missed in those two games. He surpassed this number one time, uh, went over it pretty comfortably in that one, 100 and 11 yards in that one. The second one, the one where he didn't quite get there, he didn't miss it by much, and it was that Saints game that I mentioned earlier that he did not quite get there. Again, that was a game that was totally dominated 
by Aaron Rodgers. So you can t- you can totally excuse him for that. Then you go back to the uh, season before in which uh, uh, Devontae Adams missed four games for the Packers. Aaron Rodgers went over, or Aaron Jones, excuse me, went over this mark three out of those four games. So this feels like a game where we could get him even more involved than he already has been. And it really comes down to what he does in the passing game. And I just think they're going to have to lean on him so much without Devontae Adams, right. without Alan Lazard. And you look back just over the recent weeks, five targets last week, four before that, five before that, four before that. He already has a very meaningful role in the Packers passing game. I think without Adams, without Lazard, we're probably looking more at like six, seven, eight targets for Aaron Jones in this game. And he's clearly going to be, along with Aaron Rodgers, the engine of this offense. So 101.5, I think Aaron Jones can surpass that number. I like it a little bit better than just trying to play the rushing or receiving game because I know he's going to have a big part of the offense. Maybe Maybe Arizona can slow him down as a rusher. Maybe they can slow him down as a receiver. I don't want to make that bet. I just know that they're going to put the ball in his hands, I would say, 20 times in this game tonight. And I think with that, he goes over 101.5 total yards. So that's where I'm going to live with Aaron Jones. I did mention that Ari gave me a few picks, so let's just touch on the picks that Ari uh, gave us uh, for this show. We'll add them to the record. Uh, He's got Michigan State. Michigan State. This big game between Michigan and Michigan State this week. Both these teams undefeated. First time they've had a top 10 matchup in, uh, what, like 60 years almost. Michigan State plus four. That is what Ari is riding with. He takes the Spartans plus four against Michigan. He also likes Florida plus 14 against Georgia. Take either one of those, Dan, and uh, comment on what side you're on on this one. Well, I, I respect that he's going right for the big games. I mean, these are two of the three or four biggest games of the week. I'm, I'm, you know, dancing in the mud, finding some average <laughs> power five games. And, and he's like, give me the big boys. Now, I actually think I would lean Georgia, but I, I know our computer model with Austin Mock, as I mentioned frequently, it likes both these numbers, given uh, a mm-hmm. bit of an edge for both of the ones he has there. Florida, Georgia is super interesting to me because Georgia has just been a cover machine of late because – their defense just doesn't give up touchdowns. I know Kentucky scraped out a cover on like a last play a couple weeks ago, and they were calling timeouts to score three seconds <laughs> left, and the betting world was going crazy. But this Georgia team is just such a, a blowout machine, and it's only 14. Now, the flip side to that is Florida has played close with everybody. Their three losses were by seven or less. They played, what was it, I think, by two against Alabama. They've been in every game against really good teams. I just... I I don't like betting against Georgia anymore. Mm-hmm. I, I I just there's just such a juggernaut, and yeah, neutral field rivalry game is a lot of reason to think Florida can stay within 14. They have an explosive offense, although we haven't seen anybody be explosive against Georgia's defense. So I think uh, it might be too many points. We're starting to get to that point where the lines just cr- keep creeping bigger and bigger, and this might be a little too far based on what we think Georgia is. And Georgia, pro- or I'm sorry, Florida probably should have won that Kentucky game. You know, they had a, a blocked uh, field goal return for a touchdown and some weird plays in that game that went against them. So they're probably a little undervalued in a lot of people's minds. I just wouldn't want to bet against Georgia. Good luck, Ari. <laughs> <laughs> Good luck, Ari. We'll welcome you back to the show next week and talk about these two picks, the picks that we made and also the picks that we'll have for next week because that is going to do it for this episode of Best on the Board. Thanks so much for being with us on this episode, whether it was YouTube or just the Straight Up Podcast. We'll be back with you on this show tomorrow. Me and Casey Joyner taking a deeper look at the NFL slate for the weekend. For Dan, I am Michael Beller. We'll talk to y'all soon. Good luck tonight. Happy betting.